0: What an utter pleasure it was to speak to Michelle Kennedy, founder and CEO of the groundbreaking Peanut. Michelle, my goodness, a female disruptor and a woman who is absolutely breaking boundaries, has found the gap in the market. It all sounds quite masculine there, but she's building technology and a social platform for us women. You know, Peanut is now this sort of new wave of social media networking, one that acts as a force for good in the world and promotes a space for women to talk about women's issues, what's on their mind, a safe space for them to just belong. I absolutely adored speaking to this woman because we shared so many experiences along growing technology businesses in a male-dominated world. but. What I saw was this determination and this resilience and she's found her space in life. This is her legacy and it's a remarkable moment when you speak to women who know that this is where they always were meant to belong. Enjoy. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not on the High Street for my kitchen table, and since then, I've gone on to launch Holly & Co. I'm the UK ambassador of creative small businesses, and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom, and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favorite small businesses, entrepreneurs, and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me here on Conversations of Inspiration. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You are the founder and CEO of Peanut, listed as one of the Time 100 most influential companies in 2022. I mean, that's pretty cool, groundbreaking social networking platform that provides a safe space for women to connect. And it's been described as the Tinder for mums, and it allows women to connect with others who are going through a similar stage in their lives, be that motherhood or menopause. Now, before we get started, because I always like to go back to the little the little human, Michelle,
1: tell me, I'd love to know why the name Peanut? Oh, Peanut is named after my son. When I was pregnant with him, I think I had read that he was the size of a peanut. And so the bump became Peanut. Peanut was infamous in my office or my then office and everyone referred to Peanut and Little Peanut. So it's named after him. I love that and this and I love how
0: sometimes when I work with small businesses people can call their businesses after things that are happening for them but your business has just exploded and I love that it's got this really human side behind the name. Um, You really came up with Peanut after you noticed this lack of resources for women and literally quite literally there was a gap in the market and you already had a very successful career in the world of social networking apps but these were apps for dating. So tell me about this first time and that first glimmer of the idea for Peanuts. Yeah,
1: so I loved building dating products. I have to start by saying that. It was so fun. I was doing it at a time when no one was really talking about tech in the UK, let alone talking about dating products. You know, at the time that I joined- What year was that? So this is 2009 into 2010. So at the time that I joined Badoo, it was a dating website. So, this is even pre apps. We may have had like, you know, a bit of whap, but that was about it. We, we were on a website and it was still very taboo. You know, people would go on morning TV and be like, and they met online and people would, ooh, um, you know, and, and it was one of those things. And my mum was absolutely devastated that I had like left the law and she still told everyone I was a lawyer. And, you know, it was all of that kind of, it was a totally different world. And then through that, we started to see massive evolution. Tinder came out and totally transformed the market. All of a sudden, my friends were like, oh, Michelle works in dating. It became cool, you know, socially acceptable down the pub on a Friday night. People are, you know, swiping through. And so we did that whole migration then from web to mobile. And I wasn't dating. So I had just newly married in 2013 and fallen pregnant. and. All of a sudden, my life was very, very different very quickly. In fact, probably it wasn't until Finn arrived that I realised how different, you know, some of the things that were happening in the office, I was like, oh, that's borderline. And actually, I just don't know if I'm (laughs) there mentally. Um, And I I had nothing that I could use as a product, right? So there I am building all this really Mm. amazing, cool, innovative stuff. And for my life, it's like, here's a forum. From, you know, 2007. Yeah. I was looking at Quora. I was looking at Yahoo Answers. I mean, it was really, really strange throwback stuff. And so I suppose I started to think about this should be better. We should do something different. And I had toying with ideas of what that would look like and wouldn't it be great if we could use algorithms from dating and connect people and, you know, really thinking about loneliness. I was lonely. My girlfriends were all at work. You know, it's two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm with a newborn. They're at work. Everyone's life is carrying on. You're like, what are you meant to do now? He doesn't talk. Yes. You know, I'm sleep deprived. (laughs) haven't showered. Yeah, I don't don't really know what I'm doing. (laughs) And so those moments of loneliness where I was like, God, you know, would love to meet someone else who's doing this. Plus, you know, looking at Instagram and people living their best life and that didn't feel relatable. Yeah. I had long since stopped using Facebook at that point, actually, and had to rejoin in order to join a Facebook group just to ask some questions because I didn't know what, where to find this information. Yeah. So that was my personal life. And then in my professional life, I went back to work pretty quickly after Finn and we started building what became Bumble. So we started a whole new adventure of like, and then that was really exciting. And then I still was coming home and at 3am feeding Finn and reading some bizarre forum that, you know, definitely shouldn't be read um, about why my (laughs) baby won't sleep. I mean, it's very, very weird. And I spoke to one of my girlfriends and I was like, I read on this forum and she was like, are you for real? You wouldn't read a forum in any other part of your life, but for your baby, (laughs) you're reading a forum. And I was like, I don't know how else I'm meant to find this. Like, how do you know these answers? So that was the kind of starting point, but it really wasn't until Finn was two and a half where I was like, you know what? I'm just, I I want to do this. Bumble was flying. I loved it. I wanted to do another new product and be involved in that. And I was doing more of the same with Badoo, right? And it's great, but i had been doing it for a long time and I wanted to do something else. So it got to the end of that year and I was like, I'm going to do it. So it was 2016. Yeah. You're going to do it. And I think what's so interesting. So obviously
0: Bumble was massively about women being empowered and that was the complete difference of this app. And what was so interesting is when you were thinking about peanut, you were developing something literally that where you were the customer at this time, you know, you, you were that person. And I speak to a lot of small businesses where I do say to them, make life easy for yourself, become the customer, because then you always can hold yourself accountable to what you're doing, you know, market research of one and all, but it's a really good grounding. And so you're someone's too. And I know that that's where you decided this is it and you said that peanut is about finding your village in the modern age am i right in saying there was this emotional aspect that you knew wasn't being fulfilled for women but then also the more practical problem of the product that were available out there were out of date so there was obviously not being a forum lady but also just that lack a bit like what you discovered
1: with bumble There's just a lack of product being built around women. Totally. It was a huge gap in the market. You know, women are responsible for decisions on household spend, like it or not. The majority of decisions that are made Mm. on household spend are The CEOs of the household. Absolutely. And if you take it out of modern day life and you think, you know, what was life like 30 years ago, 40 years ago? The person who had the ability to make or break a business was mum. Mm. The original influencers were mums. They were the ones who were, use this builder, right? That was the role. And so there was just this huge opportunity to say, hang on a minute, for every other part of your life, innovation is happening. But for motherhood, where your capita is outspending men, where you are responsible for the decisions on household spend, where you are also willing to throw money at anything yes and you have time considered time but you have some time and there's nothing it's a desert well that just felt like a huge opportunity
0: yeah i just couldn't agree more and my goodness i could go we, yes we're going to go on and on that's the great thing <laughs> but i'm going to take you back to little michelle because you grew up in Peterborough and you were a very studious child with, am I right in saying quite a strict upbringing where education was
1: paramount? Yeah. I mean, I have an Irish mom. So anyone who has an Irish mom knows what that means. She was and is the boss. She was very strict. I grew up, I'm an only child. So I grew up in a household where it was all on me. And that meant that the only thing that I was told mattered was an education. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: as strict as she was, she's very empowering. So there's nothing that she thinks is impossible or that you can't do. And that's whether you're a woman or a man, she's kind of doesn't care. She just, you know, it's about opportunity and it's about hard work and discipline. So I was very geeky and I was called a boff. I don't know if that's still like common vernacular, but anyway. <laughs> I buff. don't know if that is common. I remember not anyway, heard that since my childhood. My gosh. That's right. That was me. I was a boff. So I worked hard and I was very much, you know, I wasn't the girl that went to the parties. I wasn't allowed to go to the parties. Quite frankly, no one was inviting me to the parties, actually. So, you know, I didn't lead that kind of life. But the discipline and that work ethic that I developed because of her and also my dad but in a different way but certainly my mum was very much around if you work you can achieve so get your grades but get a profession that's the other slight difference you know my mum left Ireland when she was super young and so her obsession was you need a profession be a teacher be an accountant be a doctor be a lawyer but have a profession and in some ways that did limit my horizons for a while because I had no idea what else was out there. And I didn't really understand the other opportunities. I quite fancied being a ballerina when I was younger. But anyway, that was a no. I could see you as a ballerina. Yeah, she did not see that. That was very much around like, you know, get the profession. And so I went for lawyer and and I absolutely ruthlessly executed the plan until I got yeah. there. So I owe truly everything to her because she made me fearless of rejection and fearless of people saying I couldn't because her phrase would always be nonsense nonsense who said that Uh, you know (laughs) who who would say that and and so of course I was like well obviously if my mum says you can do it then you can just do it so that was little Michelle
0: But I did read, though, that it, and maybe you feel that you've moved on from this, but that it it did install a fear of failure, that almost that actually having that sort of, you know, the bar being set so high, and maybe it's something actually that us women continuously feel. Do you agree with that still?
1: Yeah. I mean, being taught how to fail and what failure means is something I never experienced in my entire life rejection and failure are not the same thing so being rejected and just Mm -hmm. keep going till someone says yes that I always had because nonsense was in my head so I just kept going but failure this not being successful not getting my grades not getting the training contract not getting the job that was real and I still have it of course it's less than it was And that's probably as a result of Peanut and working so, so closely with engineers who kind of have this thing of, we have to fail and get it wrong loads of times to get to the right answer. So it's kind of incongruous to them that you would suggest that, God, imagine if I get it wrong. And they're like, of course you get it wrong. So I think that that has improved my attitude and appetite for failure but yes, it is something that haunts me and regularly will wake me at 3am, of course.
0: And do you think, I mean, I love that, that you sit with engineers and that they, they've given you this sort of like personal lesson in failure. But do you think for us women generally and those listening, overcoming this fear of failure is a, a massive, I would say, issue? It's, it's one of the things that when I speak to small businesses and founders, That is the thing. You know, when you talk about imposter syndrome and everything, like imposter syndrome results, doesn't it, in your fear of failure? I mean, that's the whole point of it. You don't think you can do it, and that means you're going to fail. And how, you know, when we're all multitasking and the amount that particularly women take on, it's almost an impossibility that we wouldn't fail at something. Yet, as you said, I love what you just said, we've never been taught it. I mean, this is just, it's not something that we're taught with. And so we
1: can find ourselves
0: at 50 still petrified.
1: It's so hard. And that, by the way, that failure might be in friendships. It might be in a relationship. Mm. It might be in your familial relationships. It, it doesn't just have to be work. But yes, that fear of failing, it's so deep because I often think, what will people think of me? What will they say? Mm-hmm. What will they say? They'll say objectively, what they'll say is how amazing that she built all of that, right? But for you in that moment, you feel like, what will they say? What will they think? How embarrassing. You know, I'll have let the side down. I think because also as women, when we're founding a business and when we're leading a business, we feel a lot of responsibility about what we're doing for every other woman who's doing the same thing, right? So you're not just doing it for you, you're carrying it for everyone else and that is nonsense just because you don't succeed at something doesn't mean that every other woman won't succeed you know you can't carry everyone else's burden on your shoulders but we do so um i think it's very very challenging to break the behavior but it's also linked i mean if we look right back into where it starts it's also linked into the type of subjects that we study if we don't get more women and girls studying STEM subjects, then they don't understand and learn the techniques of science experiments where you get things wrong. Hypothesis is proven wrong. Still great. You've learned something. You go on, you do a new hypothesis. right? But if you don't study science beyond a certain level, you're not in that mindset either. So it's not just that we don't then have more women in engineering and so forth. We actually don't have more women with a mindset of learning how to fail. So I think it is we've got a long way to go. But I really admire and love any woman who comes and talks about a time that she's failed. I love it. And it's so much, like, I get so much from it, not because I'm like, oh, great, she failed, because it normalises it. And you're like, oh, because the stories that we're fed on repeat are, you know, and then she just clicked a button, and the company turned into a $10 billion company. It's like, it's obviously not what happened, right? Because she got rejected here, that broke there, someone sued her there, Yeah, like all of that. And I love those stories and I need to hear more of them.
0: Well, you should listen to the backlog here of conversations of inspiration, because hopefully that's what we're doing here is just trying to normalize these things. I was just going to say my mum once said to me, "Darling, they're not talking about you because ninety percent of everyone's thoughts are about themselves, so just so you know that you're probably not getting a look in And I thought to myself, "Oh my gosh, you're so right. If you actually think about how often you think about this fictitious person failing." It would probably be a nanosecond and then you move on to your own, you know, so issues in life. So I think that's quite a, an interesting one, which is just no one is thinking about you, everyone. Like it's OK to fail because no one's even going to notice you did. Let me go back to you, though, because you, you mentioned that you were a lawyer. You left education to carve out a very successful career in corporate law before you took another less expected path, as you've mentioned, into the world of dating apps you were essentially learning on the job. You've talked about that dating apps sort of then had its day. You know, it was actually the cool thing to talk about in the pub. That must have though been an unbelievable experience, one in a million experience to ride that wave, to then get into Bumble where You were completely changing lives. I've got two people in my office who met through Bumble. One got married, has now got twins. I've got so many stories on Bumble only, though.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it was amazing. It was the best of times. I loved what I was doing. I'm very proud of everything we built at Badoo and everything that we built at Bumble. I loved it. But there was something more that I needed to do which Mm. focused on women, as you say, like me, as the first customer, but also women who needed something more. We have, as women, these extraordinarily vulnerable life moments, and some of them will happen for every woman, and some of them won't happen for every woman. But regardless as to whether they happen or not, the emotional journey about getting there Or not getting there is something that needs conversation. It needs support. It needs to be able to relate to people. It needs so much. So, Peanuts started very much as a response to I can take a bit about what I know and what I've built and I can apply it to this very specific part of a woman's life. And it became something much bigger. It took its own wings because the wider vision of what we need to build is that women at these life stages must be able to find community and support cross-generationally. Yes. We must be able to normalize conversations. When we started Peanut, no one was talking about postpartum depression. No one was talking about things that we were talking about. It was very taboo. Yeah. We actually were speaking to a PR agency at the time before we launched, and they were like, you know, some of these topics, they're a bit down. Do you want to talk about them? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's the problem. No one's talking about them. Yeah, that's the
0: problem. We're doing them. We're experiencing them. And you're telling me they're a bit down. Yeah, that's right.
1: They're a bit down. They are. Should we be all quiet again? That's it. This woman feels like she's lost her identity and she doesn't know who she is. Yeah, let's talk about it. It's really, really necessary. We have to share these stories. We have to be that mouthpiece. And then we started talking about it. And there was a moment... Obviously, the women's marches started. So that was kind of, Mm. we kind of were on a wave then of this narrative building. And that continues and that's still there. But then there were more stories. What about women who were going through fertility challenges? What about women who were having baby loss? How do we support those women? Let's think about what Peanut would look like for those women. And we do that. And then, you know, we start seeing women on Peanut talking about perimenopause and on. Everything that goes with that. These young women who are like, I thought I had dementia. I thought I had Alzheimer's. I've got memory loss. And another woman saying to her, I think you should go and get your hormones checked because it sounds like perimenopause. What's perimenopause? I was like, Mm. you know, the problem is we know so little about what is going to happen in our life because we don't talk about it. If you didn't talk about menopause with your mum... And, you know, my mum will be like, oh, I don't know, I can't remember. How do you even find out about it? We're not told about it. No one educates you. And yet, it is a biological certainty. If you menstruate, you will go through menopause. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. And don't you find,
0: I mean, I think your mum is maybe similar to my mum. Like, she'll listen to this podcast. But, (laughs) you know, she said it wasn't a big deal for her. And thus, then, we didn't really have a conversation about it. And then life happens, doesn't it? And if your source of information is your mother and you're growing up and things like that. But also, you know, now she looks at what's happening with the menopause and she she slightly is like, it just wasn't a big deal. Why is it such a big deal now? It wasn't a big deal then. And you have to go, but so many things weren't a big deal then you were quiet about so many things. That's right. And it's that change, isn't it? Now, where potentially, in the nicest way, feathers are being ruffled because there's so much talk now about women's issues. But actually, you're like, please, you know, why on earth aren't we learning about this in school? Why is it not just been our vocabulary? Why at 40 am I learning about perimenopause when I'm literally experiencing
1: it? This is insane. It is repressive. Yes, it is repressive. You're right. For things to happen to our body that we don't understand or know or expect is repressive, right? So Mm. what started as building a dating app to help people find like meaningful relationships and loving that became how do I make women's lives generally better and if we think of lives being punctuated Mm. by these moments how are we the one that they come to support and that for me has been honestly it's the greatest privilege of my entire life to build peanut because
0: oh I can imagine but for
1: peanut where do you go? Who do you have these conversations with? You're not going on Facebook to talk about the fact you've got night sweats or you don't want to have sex with your partner. You're not going on Facebook to talk about the fact that you've just had your fifth round of IVF and it hasn't worked. You're not going on Facebook to talk about the fact that you resent your partner and you've got a three month old and you haven't slept and you feel, you know, borderline suicidal. Like, where do you have those conversations? Mm, mm, Coupled with, you also want to talk about i don't know the kardashians and you know yeah what you ate yeah. for breakfast we're multifaceted and there was no product out there doing that so very proud of what we brought. and as you
0: said it's a village it's a village yeah i'm so proud of you Thank it's you. a village and it's a village that only a woman i would say can conceive and execute which is what you did Every week, I hand over this part of the podcast to our brilliant partners at Dell Technologies. Dell is committed to empowering all small business owners with the tools and technology to innovate. They know that brilliant tech will ultimately empower you to build the strongest businesses, reach new customers and thrive. But they also know that you're operating in an incredibly difficult climate and that for many, this is one of the most challenging landscapes in recent years. It's why Dell have generously offered 6% off your next laptop or desktop computer using the code HOLLY6. That's the number 6. Just pop that code into the box at checkout and your discount will be automatically added to your basket. They have the tech which will facilitate you from the kitchen table and all the way up to scaling your business. So head over to dell.co.uk forward slash smallbiz biz spelt b-i-z to find out how dell can support you with all your tech needs now back to our conversation of inspiration i wanted to talk about something that i've also gone through which is then raising money in potentially not a female world for a very female centric business because you encountered a lot of pushback from male vcs myself, I did as well. And you know, it reminds me that actually so many women I've actually spoken to have gone through this as well. Like we're not alone in it. I mean, people who listen to this podcast know that I talk about, you know, Sophie and I would go around these boardrooms and and it was two blonde women pitching a gifting site and You know, and then you've got someone like Jacqueline Gold and her idea of Anne Summers' parties. And she was sitting around a board table, different to raising money. But, you know, women aren't interested in sex, she was told. And I know that during later rounds of funding, you were raising money when you were heavily pregnant with your second child. And I can only imagine, by the way, the looks that you got. What was that experience like for you, navigating
1: these naysayers? You know... Fundraising, I'm always deeply suspicious of anyone who says that they enjoy fundraising. And there are people who say that. And I never know whether that's a bravado or not, but it must be reflective of a totally different experience than mine. Because let me tell you, it is already incredibly daunting, as you know, to walk into a room and to pitch people what you're building and why they need to care and why they need to not just care, but understand the value of what you're building. It's not just, oh, that's that's cute. That's a cute gifting product. Oh, that's a cute company that they connect moms. No. Yeah. These women are worth trillions of dollars. That's how much yeah. household spend they control. They are so valuable to the economy that for you to not consider why these products are important to them is, well, quite frankly, it's bad business, right? So... It is already quite daunting. But when you get the comments back of, oh, God, not another app. My wife will never talk to me now. Or, I mean, I'm surprised she even spoke to me in the first place, quite frankly. But, you know, that things like that. Or does your husband know what you're doing? How, what does he think? The strong recommendation that I should build peanut with a man and have a male co-founder, which I did do at the start, I dutifully did what I was told and gave 30% of my company to someone else. You know, I did all the things that I was told I had to do in order to make this work. And the truth of the matter is, I didn't need to change and I didn't need to change what I was building. The industry needs to change. So there has been progress, but not enough. You know, in the year of 2021, when the most amount of checks at insane valuations were written, the amount of funding that women raised dropped below 2%. In the best market for fundraising, we got less. It's obscene. So yes, I've had every comment under the sun that you can imagine. Build another dating app. You're good at dating. Or I bet you could tell me some stories. You know, I've had the whole works. <laughs> I read that someone asked you if you would do something sexier. Yes, it's not very sexy. It's not very sexy, mum. Yeah, so. it's not very sexy, <laughs> quote unquote. It's not very sexy. Wow. But it's actually
0: insanity, isn't it? When you think about it, I mean, statistic. like I've read, and I don't know if we're going to marry up on our, I call them sexy stats, but it was that out of every pound given in VC funding, one pence went to fully female founded businesses. And I also remember in my own journey of building businesses, you know, so it was Sophie and I, and we were female founders, but it was really sort of definitely angled that our C-suite definitely, well, funny enough, it ended up all being male. And there was this sort of like, you know what, there's an imbalance here. And it was because they were men. Even to the point that probably ten years in, still one board meeting out of every year would be the comments that would come along and say, "And um, so, what are you doing about uh, men and gift giving?" And I, I do think, and certainly the C suite again, because they were men as well. And what, and you know, I think we need to concentrate on the male gift giver. And at the beginning, I was like, "Okay." you know, and you would go there and then you would just look at all the men in your life and you would look at, you know, the 24 hour before the event purchase of a gift. And I then would look at the CEOs of the household, women, and the hundred gifts that they want to give. And I would just say, can we just all have a, just a a little moment to say, what should I concentrate on? What is the low hanging fruit here? But because you're all men, You don't like, you slightly just don't like that us women are doing something for us women, that you feel left out. And you want to go, do you not feel we've been left out of society? What are you talking about?
1: Literally welcome (laughs) to our life. So thanks for that. It's so strange because I also had the, why do you need to make it women only? Just make it for parents. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes. And I got that a lot. I got death threats when we first launched Peanut for being a feminist and a raving loony and all these kind of things it was insanity the point of the matter is why did we build peanut for women only because i built dating apps for long enough to know what happens when you have men and women in the same environment the dynamic completely changes if i want women to feel safe and have safe spaces to talk about things that they can't talk about anywhere else that has to be to the exclusion of men you know we used mm. to have a joke even my husband who is wonderful by the way. But he was like, you know, what about Heena? That would be a great one. We got a message, actually, a review on the App Store the other day, which was very sweet. But it was like, my wife's obsessed with this app. It's so great. What about doing besties with testies? I think he wrote. And we loved it around the office. We had a good old laugh. But the point of the matter is, the whole world was built for you. You don't need me to build you anything. And if you do, please feel free to go and build it yourself. But what I'm going to build... Is for women who have not had anything built for them because we haven't. Because mm. we need that space where we can talk about our night sweats and our discharge and all of those terrible things mm. that we've been told are terrible and we shameful and we mustn't talk about. Well, guess what? On peanut, nothing shameful or terrible. You can talk about it all. And we need that. Mm.
0: So, yes, we do. We've worked
1: very hard to get there. Tell me though,
0: just on um, besties with testes and that whole. Sort of point because I too am very much in the female space, going to spend my next 40 years helping women be the fullest version of themselves in different ways. But I do get sort of the men I love in my life, they do feel excluded. Sure. And I said, But you're not excluded. This isn't about you, this is actually about women. But then I say, You know, I wish someone, I wish someone else was doing what I'm doing. But for you guys, right, I wouldn't I wouldn't resent that. I actually think you desperately need it. My son's just turned 18 years old. You know, I absolutely feel that there is a space for a new type of man that wants to connect in a softer way and feel and share emotion and totally. all of these sorts of things. But I want someone then to say, that's what we're going to do. And by the way, we're not going to allow hate and we're not going to allow other things right? that I'm sure what you're talking about, because that could become a dangerous space quickly if someone didn't monitor it. right? But I'm almost like, this is not about excluding men. This is not about not wanting them to flourish and fly or bring up young men into being emotional, connected human beings. This is just saying, is it okay if we just create a bit of a space for women?
1: Absolutely. And I... Recognize, you know, I have a a little boy and I hope I'm doing my best to raise him in a way that he can talk about what matters to him and he can talk about his Mm -hmm. emotions and he can be vulnerable. And we want and need all of that. Of course, we do. The very definition of equality is that we all get it, it's not just one or the other. Right. It's we all (laughs) get there. Right. So I want that all. But do I think I am best placed to build for? Those men? Absolutely not. In the same way that I build Peanut with the highest level of empathy I can, we are, you know, we build with machine learning to detect hateful speech because it's important to us and we invest money there. We make sure that we are taking precautionary steps to block content before it hits the platform, to block users before they hit the platform. Mm -hmm. It's no accident that on Peanut, if you tell me that you're trying to conceive, you'll never see someone's pregnancy scan because I know how triggering that Mm. will be for you. And that is stuff that I can build. With my team, because we're taking a very specific lens. And if you want to build something for men, your lens is going to be different. And it's okay, by the way, for those lenses to be different. Yes. And so then, if you take that to a fundraising, kind of perspective and back to the question yes. that you asked me thank you thank you for doing that cuz i should be no, doing that but yes no thank no i you. was just thinking well about like why, where i yeah, got to yeah, on this and why. back to where, before but, the rant started but, <laughs> but but when i think about that part it's okay that men want to invest in what they recognize and what they know and what looks like them but then you better be damn sure you've got enough women around the table with check writing capabilities yeah who can level the playing field. And it's not enough to have a couple of female partners who then don't sit on the investment committee. And it's not enough to not have more women who have had capital moments like you, like me, who can then Mm -hmm. invest and reinvest and to that extent call the shots a bit more and start to say, you know what, sure, I'll be an LP in your fund, but I want to know how many women you've invested in. Or I want to know how many underrepresented founders you've invested in, how many black founders you've invested in. And I want to see those stats before I'm going to invest in your fund. So unless we have more women with check writing capabilities to level the playing field, who can then invest in more women who can then have a capital moment, who can then invest in the fund and put pressure on the right pressure points, nothing will ever change. So there is a wider problem and it's okay for people to invest in what they care about and what interests them, but you better have a really diverse mix of people who can then invest.
0: Yes. I'm going to clip that bit and we're going to send that out to... Love it. Bloody hell, the people that need to listen. Tell me then... On that side, so we've looked at that VC sort of cycle. Tell me about encouraging more women in the world of tech. So that's also what's required to change society, totally. you know, to to actually look at this in a lens for 50% of the globe, where actually notoriously tech founders are male. You've got people listening right now who've got young daughters. I'm
1: assuming that's where we need to concentrate. We need more girls, young girls, being put into STEM subjects, unquestionably, right? We have to educate more children about the opportunities that lie ahead for them. And by the way, sorry, mommy, but they're not just teacher, lawyer, accountant, doctor, right? There is a whole world out there and there are jobs that are going to exist for your children we don't even understand yet, right? That's what's coming, look at what's just happened with chat AI, like it's all coming. We don't even know Mm. what's coming there. So the most beautiful thing we can do is show them optionality. So introduce them to STEM, introduce them to arts, of course, make them feel love and pleasure for so many different types of learning that by the time it gets to, you know, the future and you know there are all these different things that we can't even imagine they are well set to have a go to develop to build careers there yes also we have to tell more people's stories I obviously love you and such a fangirl but I love what you do because unless we tell more stories it's only by hearing stories that we can see ourselves in someone and think oh yes oh my god I could do that I could be that person oh my oh She went through the same thing as me. That's amazing. I could do that. Right. So it's only by telling like huge amounts of diverse stories that you can start to recognise yourself in other people and think, oh, right, well, if she did it, I could do that. I could have a go. Celebrating stories is also really important. Yeah. And we'll get there.
0: We will. You know, I do think, as I said, my son turned 18. I had a house full of 40 wow there was lots of people in my house on saturday but i had 40 young women in my home and i looked at them and they were phenomenal and i thought you are all the leaders of the future you are all so so different to how I was at 18. You're totally. so tolerant. You're so open-minded. You are totally. all about what matters, you know, and it really gave me a shiver. Like I felt really hopeful for them. But going back to you and Peanuts, that first year, lots of people always ask me, Holly, but can you just ask the founders about that first year because it's a little bit like you know the 10 year success in one you know everyone thinks oh yeah and then it just I just happened. clicked my fingers yeah. and suddenly peanut was amazing I read that you had 300,000 users which is pretty great sign up to peanut in that first year tell me about those highs and lows and the sort of challenges because you come from the dating world so you would have moved some of that experience over but I don't know about you I'm sort of treading into other territories that I should know a lot about. And sometimes I feel, did I actually
1: have that experience for the last 15 years? Because I actually feel like I'm starting all over again. I mean, there is nothing more humbling than coming from a company where you are managing, you know, the top of 300 people. And then you walk into your little office. I was squatting in someone else's office, actually. And there's four of you. And everyone looks at you and they're like, so you're like oh what next sh- wow let's go so you're trying to work out okay what do we do and how do we do it keep everyone excited motivated believing that you know you're going to be the next thing whilst also you know you don't sleep ever i didn't sleep for an entire year absolutely and you are running on adrenaline and you're mostly speaking you are not 100% sure of every call that you make is the right call, but you've just got to do it with conviction and just go there. You go from pitching to, you know, a world-famous VC, and then the next minute you're flyering because who else is going to do it? Because the only people you can afford right now are engineers. So you're doing it all. And you're not putting them out on the street. <laughs> exactly. They're way too expensive. Better your time. Way so too expensive. You're doing everything, and that that is a very humbling experience. And the first year, truly, I can only describe as like madness, extreme highs and extreme lows. So we had some phenomenal things happen to us. WWDC, which is the Worldwide Developer Conference, it's the conference that Apple holds every year. And they announce all the cool new things that they're going to build or they've been building and they're going to be released this year. And we were four months into Peanut, and we got a call, and it was all top secret. And it was very, very strange. And it was basically the head of the app store in the US, and they were like, You're going to be featured as the first app on the new app store. (gasps) We all forget what the new app store looks like because it's what it looks like now, but we were the first app. Oh my God. And we were going to, Tim Cook was going to be on stage with WWDC, and Peanut was going to be behind us. And it was insane, right? We couldn't even process it. And, you know, I remember we all sat around because obviously it's SF time. So we all sat around at home, individual homes, messaging each other on Slack, like, oh my God, there's Michelle's face. And it's my little face behind Tim Cook's shoulder. You know, that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. We were like on top of the world. I can't explain to you how that felt. And then the next week it was, you know, back to normal it's very difficult to get the high mm. or get another high yep. as high as that when you then just have to go back to the graft of how many users did we get today you know how's our retention yep. looking like that's very very hard so never ever look at any company and think all those highs are consistently high that's not the case at all it is consistently you know and also mistakes that i made that i had no idea about i had some phenomenal investors reach out at times when I just took calls, not knowing that actually it didn't suit me to take a call at that moment. And what I should have been doing is saying, actually, we're building right now. Can we come back to you? And doing it when it suited me, not when it suited them. So I just had no idea about any of these tactics. And they're things that, you know, I've learned over the years. But the first year was insanity extreme highs extreme lows no sleep but you know yeah. you have to not get to that be first repeated year. not to be not to be repeated <laughs> i always say that not to be repeated and
0: and you say but tell me just then when you took the phone calls when actually you should have just said you know what right now i'm actually yeah. busy obviously you would have looked like even hotter property than you were but there's something about, and we were touching on this before we started recording, you know, I feel I feel like that, you know, everything has a shadow side. So I feel highly empowered as a female leader and my future is about women. And that is just feeling fantastic. My team is 90% female and I, that is really enjoying all of that. And I enjoy being the female leader for all the reasons that we know what female leadership is. But I would have also taken the calls and interrupted my day because I also conform. And I also (laughs) conform or I get very nervous around if I have to go and do a presentation or something. But if I have sort of older men around me, I get very, very nervous because I feel like I am. The imposter syndrome basically completely kicks in. And I realised when I tackled it with my coach is that I have a perception, sort of how I've been brought up in business. You know, I was 18 when I started working. I sort of got brought up um, as much as my parents brought me up. Business brought me up. And there are things in my mind. So, for instance, you know, I would have taken those phone calls. They were the priority. I wasn't the priority. How dare I be the priority? Absolutely. Would you
1: say that that has been in your life as well? It's... Firstly, the assumption that anyone who is moderately older than you or extremely older than you in the room therefore must be smarter and more experienced and better than you. Absolutely, I have Mm -hmm. lived with that assumption. And also the assumption that when someone asks, you deliver because, unfortunately, you have that good girl mentality. I want to be the good girl. I do, yeah. And anecdotally, I also used to run my board meetings like this, right? that I was so used to my board meetings being me reporting on the quarter. Haven't I been a good girl? Look what I've delivered. That I forgot that actually, sorry, I just invited you into my business. Now you are fortunate enough to sit on my board. I need to ask you for some stuff. Not just I need to talk to you about some of the challenges I'm facing and you need to help me unlock them. Like, put the board to work. I've only just learned that probably in the past year, frankly. Christ.
0: I'm just reflecting on my board meetings Right, yeah because yeah. you know brilliantly the company was doing so well but it was all about and also it's a lonely job being a CEO and so founder etc cetera, etc cetera. you so wanted someone lonely. just to say well done you've done a good job but you're so right it was all about delivering the results Absolutely. for that pat on the back rather than saying, sorry, and how? what have you come today with? Right. How are you going to help your investment? Right. This is what I'm suffering from. Yeah. What are you bringing? I notice, Holly, that you're incredibly stressed. Would you like to have some mentorship or some coaching? Let us help you do that. We've got an amazing coach. Nothing. But do you think that they know that dynamic or is that just what we almost... Do you think we create that? You know what I mean? Like what that board meeting scenario...
1: Did we create it? I don't know, truly. But yeah, the board meeting scenario, from my perspective, I brought it with me from the Badoo days because I would report on the group And don't forget, I worked alongside the founder at Bidou. So Andre would be the, you know, charismatic, Mm -hmm. slightly kooky, crazy founder who would be like, we're going to build this. We're going to build this. And I would be the slightly more sensible, straight, let me tell you what we've done this quarter and how great we've done. Right. Right. So we were a double act. But unfortunately, I carried that on with me into my new Mm -hmm. environment where I would just tell everyone, here's where we're at. This is up. This is down. This is stable. I'm still hiring for this role. And now I'm like, do you know what? My success is your success. You own part of this company too. And that is something actually I often tell women founders because I hear a lot of people like, oh, I just need to raise this money or whatever. And I'm like, can you please remember, you don't get the money for free. They get get your shares, right? So it's not for free. So now you have to make sure that if they get your shares, then you have to be really happy that you're going to work with them for a long time, that they can provide value as well. It's, it's two-way. It's not just one way. And that, that's a mentality I didn't understand for a very long time. Yeah. In the same way that I didn't understand that if Sequoia call you, you don't just drop everything and go, hi, Sequoia. You actually say, do you know what? It doesn't work for me right now. Can we talk in six months mm. because we're really busy? I didn't know. And of course... Whether through network or through very clear coaching, these are all the tricks that men have known for many, many years. And it's circle. They've got, they've got like a cabal on this stuff. And it's not until you infiltrate that circle yes, and you discover, wait, what did you say? I remember very clearly a male founder with a business, let me tell you, nothing like mine, nothing like mine. And he'd just raised an extraordinary amount of money and I was absolutely bamboozled. I couldn't believe it. His business was, well, there was nothing there. And he said, yeah. And he told me this tactic of I played this and I FOMO that and, you know, And I was just absolutely like, I'm, genuinely, my first reaction was, but, but, but that's not true. And he kind of laughed at me and looked at me like, what are you talking about? And, you know, obviously, I'm not telling anyone to lie, by the way. We're not into Elizabeth Holmes territory. No, no, but but this is... This is about understanding the rules of the game that they've all known for years. Mm. And we've never been invited to a seat at the table.
0: Yeah. And Michelle, is that why, you know, when I wrote Do What You Love, Love What You Do, my book, it was basically saying, you know, business is not a dark art. It has been made to be one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying this like, I don't know this for a fact, but it feels like to keep this very special for some that can participate and not others. And it's an unbelievable thing because it's almost like you said, but you lied. It's like, well, I've never, you know, I don't lie. I don't lie lie in business. It's not the type of business I want to bring up here. I don't, do you know what I mean? We were talking about being female leaders, we have all of these ways that we are and how we deliver and i think it is going to be the future by the way because you're right you know we are looking for integrity we're looking for authenticity people can use those words but we deliver on those words but there's also another side isn't there to bringing up a business with such feminine attributes yes that can also be perceived as being weak Soft. And a little bit like what we were just talking about. So you took the phone call. You didn't lie. We have businesses that have these, you know, amazing ways that we are with our staff and things like that. But it can also
1: just be taken out of context. Totally. Listen, I agree with you. That's not the business I want to run either. But you know what? I want to know how other people are playing the game. I want to know what Mm. their rules are and create my own rules. What I don't want to do is be completely in the dark and not understand. And being part of that knowledge share is really important. I do want to know how other people play. I can then create my version, but I also know when to hold back and what to hold back. Right. So did I have time to take the call from Sequoia at that moment? Yeah, I did. Should I have taken it? No. Right. So... That is where I should have chosen, actually, I should hold back right now because let me come back to you when I've delivered, when I've shipped that next piece of product, which is really great. So it's that kind of mentality that you just don't know. And it's why, actually, women's networks are so vital because men have been building networks forever since the beginning of time. And that might be the Masons and that might be Oxbridge Connections. It might be whatever. It's been happening for centuries and we never, ever got invited to those networks. And now we have to make our own and that's fine. But you better understand, all women, how important it is to make those connections. And that connection might be at the school drop Mm -hmm. and that connection might be with someone who, you know, you haven't seen for 15 years. It doesn't matter. There's no shame in it connections and women's networks are super important. And then a little bit of transparency about how you are reconsidering the game. Yes, Like when I say to a young woman founder, they get your shares. You don't get the money for free. Think about that. That's because I wish someone had said that to me in 2017. I was just so grateful. I was just so grateful. So grateful. Oh, God, Holly,
0: so grateful. I was just so grateful. I, I was so grateful. You mean you think what I'm doing is a really good thing? Do you think? I know. Oh, my gosh. And you want to invest money? Oh my gosh, I'm so lucky. I am so, I'm so lucky.
1: Lucky. Let me Hence tell you. the one
0: penny in every pound, you know, because actually you know it's a rarity. And actually you've been chosen. So best you behave. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so glad you're just doing that for female founders on your watch. We have to do it. Watch.
1: We have to do it. And also luck is a word that we must absolutely get rid of and throw away and disregard and correct ourselves every time you say it or you hear another woman say it. Nothing that we do is lucky. It's hard work. It's insomnia. Mm. It's taking every single no. It's all of those things. None of it's luck. None of it's luck. Yeah. It's risking your relationships. Absolutely. It's sacrifice. It's It's the whole shebang,
0: isn't it? It's sacrifice. It's the yeah, as you said, it's there's nothing about luck. There's nothing about, a you know, overnight 10-year success. It's just, a, tell me yourself, as a woman who runs Peanut, you've got two young children. I started Not On The High Street when Harry was three months old. And how have you dealt, because it's something, and we're coming to the end of this podcast, but I just, before you went, I just wanted to know, how have you dealt with female guilt, mother's guilt, You know, I put myself through the ringer when I started. And as I said, Harry's just turned 18 and he's the most glorious, glorious boy. Man, sorry, he's now a man. (laughs) (gasps) I'm not a mother. I am a a mother, mother, but you know what I mean? Like I've just, I've just been given like an adult now. Tell me how you've navigated it. And have you got any tips for people
1: out there who are feeling it? I want to be extremely honest about this which is I feel guilt about something pretty much every day, even though I'm getting better. I cried yesterday with guilt over my daughter and something. So it doesn't all Mm. of a sudden go. It just is there. I think there are a couple of things that do help. The analogy of the plastic balls and the glass balls, and we're juggling both. And you can drop the plastic ones because they won't break, but the glass ones you can never drop. I've never heard that. Oh, it's really good. So a plastic ball would be I wanted to hand make... Thank you cards for everyone for the Christmas gifts for the kids. Okay, well, obviously, that's Mm -hmm. you're going to go and buy them. And, you know, great if you even manage to get them written. But you're probably going to write them because you haven't got time. Right. So that's a plastic ball. But a glass ball is going to their Christmas concert and them looking for you in the audience. You better be there and you better be sitting at the front and, you know, smiling. So I try and divide life into those things. And that has helped. Also, just being completely honest, if you have a partner and you see that your partner is not exhibiting signs of guilt, it probably means that it's not something that you need to feel guilty about. So I watch my my husband. That's brilliant. I watch my husband. (laughs) They're such great barometers, aren't they? They are. And if he doesn't feel guilty about not going to something or, you know, not remembering that it was World Book Day and she needed a costume. And he's like, oh, well, then I don't need to feel guilty about it because, you know, if he's not feeling it as deeply as I am, then it's probably not a failure. So that's another a good one. You know, and the final one is I also just try and imagine that it wasn't me. So if I saw another woman and she had not managed to do that or she'd, you know, miss that opportunity, whatever it is, would I think, oh, worst mother. And if I would, then maybe I've done something bad. But <laughs> if I would just think, no, she's just trying to do a lot, then I think it's fine. And the things that really matter to you, therefore, the kids have totally forgotten by the next day. Yes. They don't remember it.
0: They don't remember it. They really don't. And it's not the and same actually thing. when you go th- I just think those are three brilliant tips I've never heard before. And we were only as a team reflecting on our other halves and how they had this just ability to not, I mean, you know, that's a whole other podcast, worry about the amount of invisible labour that goes on. But actually you're right, you know, the big things they would worry about too. And actually it is a good thing just to check ourselves, you know, if we're getting our knickers in a twist about something really it's going
1: to be, no one's going to speak about it this time next week. So let's just leave it. That's the thing. Are we ever, ever going to relive this moment? And if the chances are not, then it, it, you know, it's not a thing. Yeah. And I've said it before, actually, but for
0: those who worry about the pickups and the things like that, even the bigger things, you know, I did my hundredth podcast and I invited Harry on to the podcast and you would have thought maybe I would have rehearsed it I didn't I just put the microphone and I just literally said so tell me you know I've lived with guilt all my life yeah that I never picked you up from school yeah I never picked you up from, I was never that mum and without rehearse he literally turned to me and if you think how much I've been screwing for this you know like my everything and he said but I I didn't even really notice. And why would you feel guilty when, you know, Daddy wouldn't have felt guilty if he had been working? And I said, well, no, you do. And he said, but I don't understand why you did. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the hours I have spent. Wish you'd have that conversation sooner. Yeah, we need to have these conversations. You know, I was thinking, I'm going to just ask my son about now he's turned 18. I just like to get through. You know how we all have like childhood things that we remember. We're like, yeah, "Yeah, my parents used to do this. I'm just going to write a note of what did we mess up, right? So that I can just, and hope that he misses out all the millions of things that I think I've messed up doing. You know, but I just want to take a little tally. Now he's 18. I just want to go, so do you remember that time that me and daddy argued, you know, profusely for a month? yeah. And when he doesn't, I'm going to just, wipe it out like wiping the disc clear of that. all the guilt that I feel I love that yeah, I'm thinking it's going to
1: catch hopefully I love that. of course it didn't mean anything well let's
0: hope Michelle imagine if I ask him that And literally goes, are you ready? Let's sit down because this is going to go on for hours. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, it was true. No way.
1: (laughs) It won't be because that's the other thing. The fact that you care means that it's fine. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Do you know what I mean? It's relationships and parental relationships where there is no appreciation of the damage that might have been caused. That That's probably where there's... That's That's, that's the the
0: worrying bit. Yeah. In each conversation I have, I am always fascinated by the stories I uncover. However, as much as I think I know a brand or a founder, I always learn something new through these conversations. I felt the same way when I met the brilliant team at Avon for the very first time. I honestly didn't know their fundamental commitment to empowering women in business, which has been there ever since its inception in 1886. At the core, the brand has always empowered Avon reps with the knowledge, products and resources to create their own communities and connections to sell directly to their own customers. In many ways, Avon's first representatives could have been considered the original beauty influencers. Today, the personal relationship between a representative and their customers is still at the core of the business. These days, it's enhanced by a host of digital tools that allow representatives to sell online as well as face-to-face, creating thriving businesses that are flexible and fit around the daily demands of our lives. I've been lucky enough to meet many of the women whose lives have been absolutely transformed through their work with a And I can't wait to share their stories with you soon. If you'd like to learn more about Avon or doing beauty your own way by building your very own business as an Avon rep, whether that's selling online or face-to-face, head over to holly.co forward slash Avon. Now back to our conversation of inspiration. I could talk to you wonderful you forever. Same. I end my interviews with the analogy that running a business is like being on an epic roller coaster ride. And we've already touched on the fact, haven't we, that the majority of the ride is in those like low points and there's only a couple of bits where the wind's in your hair. But could I just ask you, what would you say has been one of your lowest moments with that thought of transparency that we were talking about? What would you say has been when you really felt low about what you were building or doing or life?
1: I think it was probably the last time I saw you in person just a few months before I uh, my mum became very, very ill. And as I mentioned, I'm an only child and really growing up, it, w- it was just me and her. So there's a lot of the relationship and the bond is very strong. Mm. And there were some great things happening to Peanut, right? We'd just been told about the Time 100. we just won the App of the Year award. Like Things like that were great. We're about to go out for a fundraise. Amazing like market for fundraising, so everyone was saying. And mum basically got this horrible diagnosis. And... Because I was and am, you know, the sole founder in in that respect and running the business, I had to pause the fundraise. I couldn't go and do the fundraise because I couldn't go to medical appointments with mum daily at Adam Brooks, get back to London, be mum to my kids, get on calls with the US to pitch, answer all their DD requests. I basically just had to stop and I had to have a call with my board. And I was like, listen, I have to postpone the fundraise until next year. I can't do it. And it's the first time I think ever in the history of Peanut that I put my life before the company, truly. And it was also the first time where I had a slightly scary, I'm not sure whether I care at this moment in time because the only thing I care about is my mum. And it was a really very, very weird moment because this company that I love so much that I make so much sacrifice for, all of a sudden felt foolish. How could I have prioritised mm. that over everything else? And I might not have my mum. So I think that was probably a really like difficult time. Roll forward into the February and she's had the procedures and we're kind of dealing with the aftermath, but we know that she's going to survive at least like at that point and the markets changed by the way now we're in like global recession no one's writing checks and i was like uh-oh <laughs> and had to go back to the board and be like didn't see that coming and they were like yeah neither did we so that was a weird moment but i tell you what happened my god i got the love for the business like poof. so there was a moment it was a good 5 weeks 6 weeks where i just questioned everything that i just dedicated you know the past 5 years of my life to mm-hmm but I got mum through it and then I got back and it changed some of the decisions we made for the business for the better. We started monetization and we started building mm-hmm. out the monetization of the business and that's been flying. So it all worked in a very like yeah. amazing kismet way. But also, Michelle, can I just reflect on that? It was when we talked about
0: picking up the phone when we feel very female not in a good way but we feel beholden and grateful and all those sorts of things I reflect I hear what you're saying and I think for me that is inspirational because for potentially the first time you just put yourself first and everything else had to be in accordance to what you wanted to do yeah and that's very often. We do not do that. It takes a lot. I had never it done your it. your mother becoming sick. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you hadn't.
1: I had never done it. Yeah. It took an extraordinary moment. And I called my team. I called my CTO. And I was like, JL, he's a wonderful man. And I was like, I need you so much right now. And I called one other person in the team. And I was like, I'm probably going to be doing a couple of hours a day while i work worked this mm. out. And they were like, that's fine. We've got you. We've got you. And, you know, <laughs> oh, that was testament to the team. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And the first all hands that we had after that, where I could say, guys, thank you. We made congratulations on your awards, by the way. <laughs> like, you've done amazingly. But also thank you. And I'm back and here's what we're going to do now because we're going to turn on monetization. And again, the fear of the team where they're like... <gasps> Ooh, are you sure we haven't done that before and I'm like now's the time because the market's changed and we want financial independence we want cash flow positivity mm-hmm. that's our new lens mm-hmm. and we went for it and everything kind of came together at that moment but yeah. I don't think I will ever forget that November into December it was mm. the worst of times And tell me, can you tell me the opposite? I mean, hello, being on stage,
0: Apple, the awards. (laughs) I mean, (gasps) crazily amazing. But I'm
1: wondering, would you say that those are your highs? We have amazing highs. And I think that we punch well above our weight in terms of like the accolades that we get, whatever. But the best high, always, and I'm sure it is for you, but it will always be when a real person will say, (sighs) Oh my God, Peanut. I met my best friend on Peanut. Are you joking? Oh my God, I love your product. Or mm. I was getting my nails done a few months ago, bougie. And the woman who was sat next to me in the nail bar just generally talking and she was like, you know, there's this app called Peanut. I was like, oh yeah, I do know that app actually. She said, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> That's like, such a good moment. Like I've got these two girlfriends that I met on it. It's an amazing app. She goes, anyway, I think the founder lives around here. And I was like, oh, really? She was like, yeah, because I see him in his jumper. I was like, it's my husband because I make him wear a peanut jumper. (laughs) Brand rep. And it was so funny to me that she thought that the founder would be a man. But also just loved it that she was just talking to a random person in the nail bar and then it happened to be me. Like, I loved it. So those moments are the high. And every time it happens, I like my face like glows. I rang a company, well-known company the other day to have a moan about something that they delivered. And when she found my email, she went, oh, peanut, oh my gosh, I've got a 15-month-old, I love peanut. And then I obviously had to slightly alter my cross voice (laughs) backtrack from being cross exactly i was like that's amazing and also you know i know it's not your fault obviously (laughs) obviously obviously i meant that to say that right at the beginning of all of this not having a go at you it's just the situation can i ask
0: before i ask you to read your letter to your younger self michelle you have such enthusiasm and it's infectious and people can't see it but you radiate something that is really motivating for women like myself, do you think you found your space in life? Do you think that this is your
1: your legacy? Without doubt. I feel the same as you feel. Like, I feel very much that this is where I always was meant to get to. It was always meant to be about making women's lives better. I can't imagine what would be possible had 18-year-old me had someone like you or someone like me talking about and doing this stuff. I can't imagine what I would have thought was possible and what I could have built. And so absolutely, it's my life's work.
0: I'm so happy it is. We're lucky to have you. Thank you. Can I ask you to read your letter to your younger self, which obviously I don't know what you've written, but it's my time to take off my glasses and just listen. And I just wanted to thank you from behalf of myself and everyone listening for sharing
1: your vulnerability with us today. Thank you for having me. Okay. Dear Michelle, I know you're struggling right now. You're studying, you're partying, you're trying to fit in. You're falling in love for the first time. It's a lot. You have big ambitions and you're desperate to make your parents proud. You're calling your mum from your accommodation crying, can't do this, miss Holmes. too much pressure. And your mum encourages you to stay. You can do this, darling, she says. It's not the easy option, but you listen. At aged 18, you are so strong and resilient. There will be good days and there will be bad days, but it will be so worth it. You're going to be successful and you're going to have the most incredible family. A husband called Richard, two beautiful children, Nula and Finley. Despite the myth that women can have it all, being a key theme of your adult years, you get used to the juggle, constantly feel like you're dropping the ball and learning that there is in fact no such thing as balance. Sometimes you will be the best CEO, sometimes you'll be the best mum, and once in a blue moon, you'll be both. On being a mother, once you become a mum, you're never truly alone in your thoughts. You will always think twice, once for yourself and once for your children. You'll be tired, exhausted, and Nuala and Finlay will always come first. But never forget who you are and what you want to achieve. You were you before you became a mother, so don't lose touch of Michelle. A word on mum friends, it won't be easy to find them, and you may feel judged and even rejected at times. One day, you may feel brave and put yourself out there by introducing yourself to another mother in a local coffee shop, but don't feel disheartened if she doesn't return your warmth. Use this struggle for good and ensure that no other mother has to navigate life's chapters alone. Creating businesses to improve women's lives will become a core thread in your life. It will become a vocation. You'll create an app called Peanut that connects women throughout stages of motherhood and a safe space for them to find friendship and support. It will be a ride, so learn to trust the process. You're going to make mistakes, of course you are. Others would crack under this level of pressure, but you won't. You'll be successful on your mission, but you will have to work harder than you've ever worked before. As I'm nearing my 40th birthday, I'm still juggling, I'm still tired, and I still have wobbles. I still have a lot of these moments. What's most important is that I'm learning to trust my inner voice and so should you. Live fearlessly and lovingly because it's the only life you'll have. (laughs) What a beautiful letter. Thank you. I'm crying now too. And I wrote it.
0: (laughs) There's not many women like you and um, what you said about sharing and being vulnerable and telling it as it is is potentially the only way our sisters can absolutely hold each other's hands and lift each other up and i'm just very grateful to know you and i'm so grateful that your mission is to help us and um thank you very much michelle thank you same thank you And if you've enjoyed this episode, if it's helped you along your journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support means the world to me. It really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. And if you want to hear all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes over at holly.co.